0: Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Stan Steindl. I've had the great privilege of training people from all around the world. Before the pandemic, it was face to face, but since then I've delivered workshops and courses to audiences all over the place. It amazes me to think that I've worked with people in the UK Portugal, Italy, Poland, Estonia, Russia, China, Singapore, the US, Argentina. My current Compassionate Mind training course has a wonderful diversity of peoples, including those from Uruguay and Turkey. And it seems to me that people everywhere are lovely. They all offer a warm greeting, they smile and nod as I pontificate, They laugh at my jokes, they express sorrow at tales of suffering, they offer their points of view, they express great appreciation, and so on. As Bob Marley said, one love, one heart, let's get together and feel all right. People everywhere are lovely, so why do we have wars? And why does it feel like we might be on the brink of one right now? Goodness knows, I don't know the answer to that. But let's have a think about it from an evolutionary point of view and see if there's anything we can do to create a more compassionate world. Remember, evolution is about survival and reproduction. So certain characteristics that help with that were naturally selected over millions of years. One area of necessity was to manage resource allocation. Now, the interesting thing here is that for hundreds of thousands or millions of years, humans wandered the earth in rather small groups. We had terribly vulnerable offspring and we were very vulnerable ourselves, even as adults. Resources were limited and we had to work together to survive. To make all of this work, we developed a caring and sharing resource allocation strategy. Caring evolved into compassionate motives, becoming something of a template for our social relationships, first in these small groups, but then extending to larger groups, even to include non-kin or strangers. Caring and sharing was hardwired into us by evolution, and in a sense, it's part of our basic nature. And it worked very well as a source of our senses of connection, belonging, safeness, and meaning. Then, a few short years ago, say 10,000 years, short in evolutionary terms, came the advent of agriculture. Somehow, humans worked out that we can plant seeds to grow crops, we can domesticate animals and keep them fenced in, and we started to store things for future use rather than operate in a hunter-gatherer catch-and-eat paradigm. Things really began to change. If I can store what I need, then I don't need to cooperate so much with others. But I do need somewhere to store the surplus and then I need to control that surplus, protect it, keep it away from others and keep others away from it. We moved from care and share strategies to a hold and control strategy with disastrous effects. Now our compassionate motive felt at times like a liability. We started to hone our competitive motives even developing further our callous and cruel motivations. If compassion is a sensitivity to suffering in self and others, with a commitment to try to alleviate and prevent it, then callousness is an insensitivity to suffering with an indifference towards alleviating or preventing it. Cruelty is, of course, the intentional causing of suffering. What emerged and started to really gather momentum was aggressive, dominant, mostly male hierarchies who suppressed or oppressed all others, especially those who tried to rise up against them. Basically, the last 10,000 years has been the Game of Thrones writ large in the world. The Egyptian, Greek or Roman empires, the Aztecs, the expansions of the Mongols and the Ottomans, the Portuguese and Spanish and their boats, the English and their colonialism. And so it goes on. Last century was a shocker. And even now, we find it difficult to rise above hold and control resource allocation strategies, drive and threat systems running the show, and the sabre-rattling makes it difficult for the ordinary person to get to sleep at night. Greedy acquisition and fearful hoarding drive and threat, callousness, cruelty, conflict and war. But compassionate motives remain. Patient, careful, hardworking. Just think of the pandemic. People everywhere have knuckled down and taken steps to try to be helpful. Everyday people have worn masks, physically distanced and taken care of the vulnerable. Medical and nursing professionals have worked themselves to the bone, caring for others. It's totally dragging on. I'm the first to admit that. But boy, when we as a species notice suffering, we really want to help. So what do we do? Well, as John Lennon said, war is over if you want it. Professor Paul Gilbert wrote an excellent piece in the open access journal Frontiers in Psychology, all about creating a compassionate world, addressing the conflicts between sharing and caring versus controlling and holding evolved strategies. You can access it at the link that's in the description below. He suggested the need to do the following. Individuals need to pursue a better understanding of the nature of the human mind, especially its dark side. We can be kind, caring, and compassionate, but we can also be competitive, callous, and cruel. In amongst all of that, our minds can be unruly, chaotic, and really, really tricky. We need to wake up to the ways in which we can be tossed about by the various motives and desires built into our brains that can be unhelpful and destructive. Two, individuals can bring about change, develop their compassionate motives, and literally change their brain. Practicing compassion to others, receiving compassion from others, and offering ourselves compassion can have profound effects on the brain, the heart, the immune system, and various aspects of our physical functioning. It certainly promotes ethics and morality, but it's also great for our physical and mental health. Three, individuals can find lots of ways in these days. Mindfulness and compassion-based interventions and training programs are really gathering steam around the world. Just think of the Compassionate Mind training course. Imagine if we could have lots and lots and lots of people participating in that. And four, at a societal level, we need to start helping our leaders get their heads around this stuff. Whether it be in politics, economics, business, the media, academia, this is the next challenge moving from cultivating compassion amongst individuals all over the world to cultivating compassion in our social structures, institutions, and leaders, whoever and wherever they may be. Let's make the compassion motto ring out in every home, school, business, institution, and hall of power. Live to be helpful, not harmful. It's actually a scary time at the moment. If you have a burgeoning young adult son, as I do, or daughters, nephews, nieces, or young people generally in your life you care deeply about. The various war cries are disconcerting indeed. I mean, as Bruce Springsteen wisely said, war, huh. what is it good for? Absolutely nothing.